This is Catching Waves, the podcast that started as a casual conversation between three brothers on a hike through Muir Woods. It evolved into a continuous exploration of philosophy, brotherhood, and life. We welcome you to join us as we question, experiment, document, and grow. But claim no responsibility if you achieve cosmic consciousness, elevate to the supreme bodhisattva incarnate, or find yourself dumpster surfing in Skid Row while following along at home. Listener discretion is advised. And, as always, all waves caught during our exploration were safely released. Enjoy. Episode 156, Crucibles. In this episode, we explored a cinematic representation of a character transforming due to a challenge in their own life. We also discussed how the lessons and trials have applied to our own lives. Enjoy. All right. Um, so, trying to, I've got a lot of interesting stuff, and maybe I'm hoping that we'll have even more exploration of this movie and this character and what he went through uh, through our talk. Um, one of the first things that I I think I noticed watching the whole thing, taking notes on it, really trying to think about it, was that. I don't think Andy, I think Andy was in a prison before he ever arrived at Shawshank. And a couple of things lead me to believe that. Um, first, Red says that he looked like he was wearing an invisible shield, you know, uh, the first time he saw him, like out on the yard. Um he said some people might take him for snobby because he was kind of sticking to himself. And I'm sure that's a common thing for any new inmate, new fish, is to not want to integrate so quickly. They're not like, all right, when's lunch, you know? Um, <laughs> Who are my buds? <laughs> yes. Everything's going to be great. This is going to be a party. Um, so, but you kind of get the sense also by his words that, you know, maybe maybe he's kind of self-contained. Maybe he doesn't... Uh, Looking at what occurred in the movie, um, also uh, another moment that kind of points to this is after he gets out of the hole at the very end and Tommy is has been killed and he kind of had his moment with uh, Warden uh, Norton saying, you know, kind of like, I'm I'm not doing anything any at this. I'm not doing anything for you anymore. Um, he's talking to Red after he gets out of the hole and he seems very solemn. It's like he's, he's in a scary state. This is uh he's approached a, a massive dilemma. What do I do going forward? And this is right before he escapes. This is right before, um, I mean, that night he goes into a cell with six feet of rope that Haywood made for him and thought, no big deal. <laughs> sure. I'll get you some rope, Andy. Um, so everyone's worried about him, but, what Andy talks about to Red as he's sitting uh, leaned up against that wall, he talks about his wife probably the first time, like in a deep way. And it kind of gives you, I, at least I feel like it gives me a sense of where his mind was at, what he was weighing. He said, I didn't kill her. Pretty sure Andy did not physically kill his wife. But he starts to wonder if, if he, what he had done, how he was, 
if that's what ultimately killed her. Like, am I responsible? And he's not talking about Tommy. He's not talking about Norton. He's talking about what he, what he did, who he was, before he ever went in prison. And I get the sense, watching the movie, that not that we ever see Andy on the outside in the beginning, other than, you know, flashbacks to the trial and, you know, flashbacks to him sitting in the car uh, thinking about possibly killing his wife. Um, you know, he mentions sitting on the wall uh, next to Red that his wife, uh, like he loved his wife, but he couldn't express it. His wife thought that he was a closed book. And in the beginning, he's much more of a closed book. He's kind of more self-contained. He's got that invisible shield when he first goes in and he encounters prison life and it's not fun. It's not a fairy tale. And what I notice, he, he didn't have a whole lot of reason to try to integrate and try to, I mean, I'm sure there's got to be a, a pull to, to want to have some kind of friendship inside prison you've got a how do i survive this prison uh literally and metaphorically and he reaches out he starts to gain new friends at at one point um let me just back up this might there might be different avenues to explain this but i think that andy I think Andy was in a prison on the outside. He had problems. He wasn't that communicate, communicate, excuse me, communicative with his wife. And he was kind of, I don't know if he was uh, kind of more reserved, uh, more fearful. I don't know. But he wasn't, it didn't seem like he was expressing everything. He wasn't like this individual. And... At one point in the movie, he expresses himself to uh, the the main that the head guard Hadley, and all the other inmates are going, "Oh God, no! Like, what are you doing, Andy?" Andy overhears Hadley talking about how the government's going to screw him out of his money, and he comes up, stops working for one, and then says, "Do you trust your wife?" <laughs> and Hadley says. I'm going to throw you off this building. You know, I don't need to hear anything more from you. Um, and even the inmates are like, hey, you, you know, hey, Andy, keep working. Like, just keep to yourself. Be, be an inmate. And he doesn't. He takes a risk. For what reason, I don't know. And ultimately, he gives good advice to somebody who may or may not deserve it, probably does not. But he reaches out. And then when that pans out, he he um, he shares that victory, I think, with his fellow inmates. And he, you know, he gets a bunch of beers, gets a couple of brewskis for his coworkers, and, you know, the guards laugh and all that. Couple and yet, of suds. <laughs> couple of suds. And they, you know, they laugh about being coworkers and stuff. They're like, oh, you're fucking inmates. Yeah, you can call it whatever you want to. Um, but this is punishment for you. Red kind of narrates, uh, well, he narrates the whole movie, um, but he makes this comment. He kind of wonders, did he do that for the guards? Did he, did he do it to ingratiate himself um, 
or as some sort of manipulation with the guards? Did he do it as a manipulation uh, for his fellow cons, as he puts it? Or did, you know, Red ultimately says he thinks he did it to feel normal again. And I like that. There was something to that. He was trying to to feel like I'm not in a prison. And it makes him feel good. There's many moments during the movie where I think he does this. He played... Um, well, anyway, uh, going back to the this moment, he reaches out, he gets the, he tells this to Hadley, and that obviously works out for Hadley. He he shares his victory. Uh, I don't even think he has a beer. I think he, I mean, that's probably more evidence that he he did it just to feel normal, and so he's not getting what's his and just you know kind of coveting, making sure no one. Uh, being selfish, I guess. And later on, very quickly after that moment, um, he he encounters the sisters again, and they beat him savagely. Boggs goes into the hole, and when Boggs comes out, Hadley cripples him. Like, and I don't know if Andy, I mean, I don't think Andy could have envisioned the act that he reaching out to Hadley and saying that would have ended yeah. a problem for him. But obviously what I see, and I've seen it in my own life, it's he could have held on to that and kept it inside himself, but he reaches out and somehow he's rewarded. I think that's, there's some kind of relationship going on. And I think that that's not something that Andy's used to. I don't think he was used to that on the outside. I think he kept to himself but suddenly right now he's kind of reaching out. He's starting to feel like this could be a normal life for me. And he's rewarded when he shares his, the, he shares his rewards with his fellow inmates and he makes friends. And of course the warden becomes aware of this and says, I'll give you another reward. You can work in the library, but ultimately it's a manipulation. He's like, you're going to help me out. Andy says, okay, that's cool. You're going to get whatever you want, and I'm okay with that, but I get to build the library up. So it's he sees it once again, and he his, he's able to start to have a more normal life in a prison and feel normal again, but he has to put up with some kind of... Um, there's some kind of contract. There's some kind of, if I get this, I have to do this, or I have to take this. And, of course, once again, he shares it with his fellow inmates, and he's got Red helping him with the library. He's got... um, That ultimately becomes a a larger thing, and more people become involved, and it's, it's, it's a victory for a lot of people. And... So one of the things that's repeated several times in the movie is Red saying that, you know, prison life is about routine and more routine. And the very repeated line is, which I think I even text you one day, a man will do any, mo- almost anything to keep his mind occupied in prison. And we see a lot of that in Andy, even though I think he really is like transforming in prison and kind of moving beyond his own fears 
we also see that there is still got to be a means to do that. He's still he's working on the library. He's working with Norton, cooking the books and, you know, giving him a nice pension. Um, they're both being used ultimately, but he's he's occupying himself. We also know that he must be tunneling at this point. He's got the poster to hide it, and he's doing that. And so that's another mind occupation. Um, now, we come up to... Ultimately, what I think Andy is doing is... Well, here's a even better something else I have to say before saying this. When Tommy lets him know that he heard that one inmate talk about killing that that woman and the golfer or whatever, Andy feels like this is a ray of hope. He gets really excited. I can, you know, we can expose this, get him to confess, and I'll be out of prison. And he's in the warden's office and he is adamant. Like he's, he's, he's worked up obviously, but he's already tunneling at this point. He's been tunneling for years. He's been tunneling for 19 years. So I thought it was interesting. And I kind of wonder, it's not absolute proof, but I don't think Andy was tunneling to escape. I think it was just a mind occupation, like everything he was doing. I don't, he was, he was definitely not cooking. Uh, he was not helping Norton in order to, he didn't have this all planned out ahead of time. And he wasn't creating those accounts on the outside that he'd be able to get later on. And he wasn't tunneling. So he would be able to have his physical route outside. And then he would just pick up the money and take off. At this point, Norton tells him you're being naive. And he might've been, but Norton has a reason he he doesn't want Andy going anywhere whether he killed his wife or not I mean the 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 warden is a criminal in many ways and right now I mean he he has Tommy executed to prevent any any chance of that happening and Andy goes in the hole for a month longer than anybody warden peeks his head in one month in tells him Tommy had an accident that's such a shame. I mean, he ultimately tells Andy, I had him killed. Possibly, I mean, Andy's got to feel maybe that he might have had some some responsibility in Tommy's death. Um, at this point, he tells Norton, I, I'm done with your shit. I'm not going to do this for you anymore. And the, uh, the warden says... You're not going to get off that easy. I'll cast you down there with the Sodomites again. And everything that you've gotten all the way up till this point, you know, the library will be destroyed uh, and you'll be running away from the bull queers for the rest of your life. You might get killed. And I think in a real way, like uh, Andy's, all his... What he's done to this point is somewhat, I think, underneath the guise of everything he's doing on the outside, all his mind occupations of of tunneling, of running the library, of helping out people that need their GEDs. 
underneath, I think he was trying to, he's trying to escape, like an inner prison, in a way, which I think is what he was in on the outside. And he needed to come to prison in order to escape, just like he needed to come to prison to be a crook. He talks about being hit by this, um, being in the path of the tornado on the outside. And he just didn't expect it to be that long. He's got this more than 19-year period of increasing pressure that's moved him in this direction of maybe getting over his fears and not becoming a closed book to people. Um, But I think in that way, um, he's kind of tunneling out, you know, tunneling through himself. Um, One of the a good example of, I guess, a, a way that an inmate would not be able to do this or you know, go in some kind of opposite way would be Brooks. Brooks is institutionalized. He came in to Shawshank, I believe, in 1905. And he's got to be a young man. He's got to be 20, maybe, maybe a little bit older. It's a very different world. Um, when he died, Red says that these walls are a funny thing. You come in and you hate them. Soon you get used to them. Eventually you depend on them. And it's it definitely feels like an unfair thing to have somebody come into prison and you develop these walls for somebody just to let them out at that point in their life. It's terrible. Brooks would rather come home and he sees Shawshank as his home. I think that there's the physical walls of the prison that you're in, but there's also the kind of the, the internal walls of yourself. And I guess it depends on what that outer environment and what the inner environment, like how they relate to each other. And Maybe with Brooks, he was, uh, you know, the inner world and the outer world were pretty much evenly matched. But you let him out into a world that he, that has changed without him for the last 50 years. And it's going to be a scary place. Probably scarier than the person coming in. It's a culture shock to go from the outside to the inside. But 50 years later, to go from the inside to the outside is probably, you know, even more terrifying. Brooks could have... Um, robbed his grocery store, killed the manager to go back. But he says that's, you know, he's too old for that. Um, But he's not, he decided not to stay, which is um, kind of a euphemism uh, and uh, an allusion to what he did, and he killed himself. He He didn't want to live in fear, so there's this other option. He kills himself. I think Andy comes up against that same dilemma, but he has a couple options. He could say, Norton, fuck you. Um, I'm not going to help you anyway. And he lives the rest of his life in fear, uh, dealing with the sisters and everything else. He could have said, still lived in fear and said, I've got a good life in prison. This is about as far as I'll take it. You know, his tunneling stops here and he just puts up this uh, 
continues to help the warden just to get by, which I think would be synonymous with what Red was saying as far as <sighs> Red warned him that hope is a dangerous thing in prison. And so far, I think what Andy was doing was trying to live his life, at least in prison, um, with hope. He's he's living in contact with that place that's not made out of stone inside himself. Doesn't look like everybody's so willing to go there, or maybe they gave it up long ago. But I have to believe when he was in the hole, he must have been thinking maybe it was a bad idea. Maybe I should have been more like Red. Maybe this is where I stop and I warn others against hope because this I'm maybe I'm getting punished by this. And it's at that point that he doesn't go in that direction. He doesn't kill himself as well. He actually physically tunnels out of the prison. And... And he crawls through 500 yards of a river of shit and comes out clean on the other side. So, and also one of my observations was, I'm not exactly sure if this, the protagonist, is Andy. I think this is more like he's the example set for Red, who feels, you know, hope is, hope is a memory to him. Hope might be painful. And now he's being taught otherwise and shown the path mm -hmm. through this other character. And he follows it. Uh, Red also comes up against that same dilemma that Brooks and Andy both did. Probably more so Brooks in this case. He's looking through the window shop and seeing the gun. Hey, I can just go back into Shawshank or I can make a, you know, deliver on a promise to a friend. And he ultimately does. I love that moment at the end where red is on the bus and he's just smiling and he says like this excitement is only something a free man can feel i i think this is just a really great shawshank is just a really great story about the human spirit and remembering that you know the the limit you know the the power of that and moving beyond our inner walls that either match or don't match the outside, the walls outside of ourselves. But ultimately, every wall is inside. And it's made of stone. And I think Andy was clearing all that crap out. So when he physically escaped, I think he, he had truly escaped in every sense of the word. It's about freedom. And sometimes you can make yourself believe that, no, 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 I'm free. I'm free, you know, I, uh, and, and make excuses for, uh, for things that you're really afraid of, but I think Andy goes all the way. So that's my take on it. What does freedom look like for you? A light question. <laughs> um, kind of scary because I think that freedom is always something that somebody is describing. And I don't think you really 
I don't think anybody can understand it until they experience it. They experience it just like anything. Okay. Question that comes from that. Do you believe you've experienced freedom? At certain times (laughs) in my life. Yeah. And it was, and it was kind of, it was scary. Uh, it, it was it was a thrill. It was it was a whole lot of emotions at once, because it, it almost led me to believe that I am never free, and it's just a little peak. Even when you thought you were free, you're like hey, it just pales in comparison. It's not the real thing. And then suddenly, you're in front of the real thing, and you realize, oh crap, I was just I was just uh, keeping myself busy, you know, keeping my mind occupied in prison. And that's sounds terrible, but especially when you have it so good, but to see the absolute lack of any kind of boundary was freedom to me. And when I've encountered that, it's felt like, like words just can't describe it. And and I wanted to explore it more. It's 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 so easy to become vague with this just because I I, I think every single kind of idea, um, even like right now in our culture, I think it's very, or even in our country, freedom is an often used concept. But it's often qualified by what you think freedom is. Freedom is going to be this when everything is this way. And freedom's not that way because I have to do X. And it's really a shame that freedom has to be a certain situation, a certain uh, um, circumstance. Because it, it ultimately, you're... The idea that freedom will be this means that everything that's not that, as long as my external situation does not appear to be this way, I'm not free. And you're basically cementing your own walls in that way. And I think freedom is something that you start to encounter more and more by by not running away from your own fears and breaking down those walls in when i had asked you know about the specific moment of freedom that you were hinting at what were you free from I was I was free from needing to do anything. I was free from a goal. I was and I I didn't under like I just I found myself in this weird place of being kind of in between 
getting something accomplished and being done and also starting something up again to replace it. And I was free to just be, not be, I wasn't doing anymore. I didn't need to do. And in that way, I think I was, I was suddenly aware of my, my being and it was it was it was pretty it was an insane thing and i didn't i didn't really understand it at the very end of shawshank uh there's also this other thing uh at the very end of shawshank when norton is going through andy's uh bible he opens up the cover and Andy has that note for him and says that you're right. <laughs> um, salvation lay within. And he flips to the uh, the page where the, the cutout for the rock hammer was. And it's also cut out in the book of Exodus. So, I mean, there's all these little signs of escaping and I, I really think that it's a, it's the solution and the prison itself is, is an internal one for everybody, whatever that happens to be. Um, and I, I think people, you don't have to always call it a prison. It's, it's not. Um, but ultimately, I think it is your own walls. And it's a beautiful story about... Someone going, uh, you know, having to go through intense pressure to become what they were destined to become. And I love the opportunity to be able to look at it like this. Have you seen it recently? I haven't. Um, Shawshank is one of those, like, every 10 year movies for me i watched it um if i recall correctly i watched it right when i got to full sail um i had moved out to the orlando area i was living in winter park and i had i don't i don't think i had lived alone um ever up until that point and so i was out there and truly alone for a few weeks before like my roommate was there i was just alone and the very first night i was like on my own there was something weird that was taking place where i i felt like a little kid again I heard something in the middle of the night and I was scared like a little kid would be. Although I'm a grown man, you know, I'm fresh from tire shop work. I can, you know, within a certain degree, I should feel very confident that I could handle myself against anybody that would like be coming in. And yet I felt 
because the circumstance was so different than any situation or surrounding I had ever been in, I felt scared. <clears throat> and the things that I gravitated toward that during that time reflected that. And it was, it was strange. Um, especially in hindsight to look back and, and say like, I watched Shawshank Redemption, like within the first week, it's like, and I wasn't making these decisions consciously. I mean, this was years later that I thought about it and I'm like, that's strange. I drew during that like first week, two weeks in that space, I drew a self portrait and, um, it was me with a fishbowl over my head and I, I had a straight jacket and two fish were floating around in the, in the fishbowl. I know it sounds ridiculous, but at the time I had absolutely no self-awareness. I made those, all those decisions based off of the decision before it. So I was like, well, I want to draw something. And I looked down and I was like, I feel like doing a monochrome. That was the first decision. So I was like, okay, self-portrait, monochrome, decision one, decision two. And then the next decision was, uh, like, what's the story? What, 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 you know, what would be cool? That's what, like, I think that's where it was coming from. What would look cool? I was like, I'll put myself in a straight jacket. That'll be cool. Cool. Not like representative of how I feel. And, you know, it wasn't coming from that. And yet I think my subconscious was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> because that's correct. That's how you feel. But I wasn't, I wasn't consciously aware of it. So like I put myself in a straight jacket and I'm like, it was some grandmaster plan. It no, was, no. Yeah. And so then I like, I put myself in a straight jacket and I was like, okay, that feels right. And then the next decision was, it feels like, like there should be something over my head. And I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if there was like a, a bull, almost like he's an astronaut. And so I start drawing like what would be an astronaut helmet. And I'm like, uh, I think it would be better if it was just a bull. And then, so like I drew this bull, I'm like, but what's the story there? And I was like, oh, there'd be like a water line. So I, I should show the effect of water like that would visually that would be cool if i could actually make it look like there's water in the bowl even though it's upside down and so i did that and i was like i need some friends in there <laughs> and i'm making these decisions completely unaware and then when i showed that i literally was coming from the naive completely unaware perspective of like look i did a self-portrait and mom got back instantly she's like is everything okay <laughs> i'm like everything's fine and i'm like and i'm kind of lying because everything wasn't i was feeling i wasn't feeling those exact like i don't know what that self-portrait really is saying but i kind of do know what it's You're saying. drowning <laughs> drowning i feel like i'm losing my mind because i'm on my own i feel um imprisoned and in that exact same time, I watched Shawshank Redemption and I had relief watching Shaw Shawshank Redemption. And 
again in hindsight <laughs> i watched this movie and i was like damn I, I you know at the time completely unaware um and i'm like i forget how good this movie is yeah i watched it as you know with with the hope that i was gonna not feel like this like the way that, that i felt at that time because it was a very scary move you know, going out to school, being out there on my own, and really thinking um, that I made a big move and there was a lot of pressure of, well, you better be this thing. You cannot half, you can't do this halfway. Yeah. Um, and so they're very that pressure was extremely real and i mean it it continued to be very real and i don't think i got very much pre uh, like relief from that up until only recently yeah. it was a lot of like internal stuff that was going on and i relate with you know with andy where it was like well that that prison was just another step in something that was already going on inside him that he you know his crucible kept changing outside but he was battling something that was inside and until that was completely freed up and he unlocked whatever it was that he was searching for really internally you know, the outside circumstance, yeah, it may have been hard or whatever, but that that's almost tolerable compared to constantly battling those inner demons. And I think he was most definitely doing that where, you know, in the beginning of Shawshank, Red saying that he seemed cold and distant. And it, it was. He, you imagine his character and the little tidbits that they flash back to that he wasn't, he didn't have friends and he, he had a wife, but she wasn't even a friend. He wasn't allowing her in. He wasn't allowing anybody in. Yeah. <clears throat> he wasn't extending any kind of communication to anyone. So it's interesting, like his moves within it, where he starts opening up to the people that are around him that are killers, murderers, liars, you know, th thieves, all these people who he, um, he's starting to see how we're all human, I think. And yeah, it seems like he was kind of having, he was having his awakening in there and, really working through those things. And it, it's, it's interesting to me because it's like, um, in the book that we've both read, uh, and I don't know, I think you've read both of them, uh, from Michael Singer. Yes. And it seems to follow that exact same track where Michael Singer in real life, as he started kind of going on his journey, it's like the hero's journey for everyone but his outside circumstances really tested him. And I think that's a scary thing for anyone because once you really head down that path, it's no joke. 
the challenges, it, it's completely different than someone's like, uh, who just white flags and says whatever environment they're in, that they're going to just, uh, become in, institutionalized. It's easy. It's, it becomes comfortable at that point. But then you also see that in doing that, you still might get, and who knows, maybe it's definitely, you will get punished for that at the end, uh, for, for having that for X amount of time of allowing yourself to just allow these things to happen around you that in the very end, you will have to, um, face the fact that you did that to yourself that now even in a free environment you're in prison because you allowed this other environment to dictate what freedom was for you mm -hmm. well you're at the mercy of what's happening around you and you're not free if that's the case i mean i, yeah. I it's i don't want to make it out to be it's not a bad thing it's certainly a very common thing and you can you can choose that or not choose that at any step in the way Andy could have chosen it at the very end and said okay I guess I've changed my life I've changed myself but then the walls that are currently in place will you know my I'll have to cling to this and just let it be what it is because the next step is too scary I'm sure trying to physically escape would have been terrifying um, I'm sure some people would have rather killed themselves. Um, who knows? Uh, but he used that last bit of juice to get out. Um, one of the things that I see, one of the things I see coming up for me more and more is you look outside yourself and you, you want to adopt something that is somewhat null there's some kind of certainty at least it's not this brand new path it's like let's you know just, you're not stepping into the void at least there is some example for you um, but truly being free is finding it for you like you're finding your own path you're finding your own group in a, in a lot of ways um but I, I don't like that dilemma when someone is saying, okay, here's the game already set up outside you, left or right, A or B, this way, that way. <laughs> and know. I'm like, I just have that feeling of like... But oh. you forgot option three. <laughs> yeah. There's so many other ways I could go around this. Um, and, and it's also, it's still another immature game to say fuck you. I know. And it's so it's like um, one of the things that kind of bothers me. When but our grandfather say, was Marvin Ellering. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he taught me so much. Uh, uh, Marvin came back to me for this episode, too, as far as uh, one that comes up. I may have said it on this podcast before or not, but I and I. One of the little nuggets that just stuck with me, it's it's my, uh, it's one of the little tokens in my crucible, is Chris. don't be a fence walker. And, I am a fence walker, though. Well, and it's like, I, it's, I'm not, I'm not being a fence walker. There's a little bit of it just to be rebellious, 
Um, but it's also, I'm just, I never get fully satisfied. And, you know, I, one of the things that I hear people say is, you know, don't be a sheep. And I've heard this from people on... Who are sheep. <laughs> who are sheep. Well, to be fair, the way that I define sheep, the way I've seen what a sheep truly is, there's no one that has not been a sheep. Exactly. It's just like, there's just no possible way. I see um, someone saying, well, being a sheep is, is think, uh, not being a sheep is thinking for yourself. And then, okay, well, what do you think? And you give me some idea that you did not come up with, that you have had help. So you kind of have to stand on the shoulder of giants at the very least, even to start thinking for yourself. Mm -hmm. But there's such a tendency to say, yeah, but so-and-so did such a great job. I am just going to put, put this jersey on, put this armor on, put this sword in my hand. It's already been shown to me. And it's a scary thing to feel like, yeah, that's a hero. And they did, they did so much for me. And yet the situation I find myself in, they're, they're a role model. They've taught me so much, but I'm not going to be truly okay with my next action unless it's mine. And I've had things that came out of me that I'm just like, I, no one told me to be exactly this way. And there's part of me that feels embarrassed or like, I think grandpa, I, I could have just decided that everything I learned from grandpa Ellering was to agree with everything that he said. And I, I, I don't, I would be, I would love to have a discussion with him, <laughs> uh, but one of the best things that I think he did, at least he's one inspiration for me, is to think for myself. And that's more of a process, that's more of an effort than it is, uh, yes, I'm doing it, I've nailed it, you know. Um, I don't, you don't nail it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a 19-year it's a journey for Andy to nail it. It's not a, you know, I'm doing it now, now I'm not doing it. Um, but. And I think that when you truly, if there is a way to truly live by on your own terms or become an individual uh, and break away from any kind of herd, I think that's when it, it truly doesn't matter what is going on on the outside because you're already free. Brooks gets on the outside and he can't put up with fear anymore. But on the inside, there was still fear. He was just aligned to his environment. I don't really want to be... <laughs> uh, Red talks about basically having Andy kind of not just integrate, but integrate to, like, you've got to accept these walls. And he's telling, he's, he wants this, don't continue on this journey in a, in a lot of ways. Um, accept your fate uh, get used to it is what he says and Andy very uh, importantly says like Brooks did and
I like to follow the talisman, basically, of moving in, one second, moving in the direction of taking down my own walls, basically. And what are those walls? Currently. Currently. Yeah, because obviously the walls, you it's like an onion. You take one down, then you just see another in a, in a different form somewhere else. Well, one of them I see, and it, it scares me along the way, is using my voice. I think even in these podcasts, I think uh, one of the, maybe one of the reasons, at least for myself, is to be discuss, uh, to discuss something that I don't always hear discussed out, you know, when I turn on YouTube or, or whatever. Uh, we've talked about enjoying people's conversations and getting into deep stuff and kind of uh, the observations of life and trying to figure out a better way to do it. <clears throat> How do I live my life better? How do I have less time making mistakes or, or just uh, or are trying to avoid mistakes? And it's it's frustrating because I have so much judgment, even if I'm not saying it to people and, you know, screaming at the world. And I, I could very well say this is this is the time of my life. There's Twitter and I have opinions. I can just yeah, <laughs> I can say them all. And I just go. Ew, that doesn't sound right. Like, what is it doing? It, I think we've talked about it. Um, it sounds masturbatory. And <laughs> I don't know if it's... It, it might, I, I want to use my juice in a, in a more... <laughs> in a better way. Uh, I would rather have this discussion. This in, hard discussion. Hard. <laughs> I, I say we just keep... <laughs> I just... I, I, I want to shoot. For something more i want to unzip my mind get, and unleash spray express myself <laughs> all over the place um and uh, one of the things that i i it's funny i'll have this like this moment where i'll listen to one of our podcasts and or i'll, I'll be in the middle of saying it <laughs> And realize, oh shit, I really just said that out loud. And people are listening to this. Not many, but somebody. And <laughs> Don't worry, no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Don't. That's that's the thing that I finally have come to the, like, it's good. <laughs> Someone's listening, Phil. It's the, it, Some, yeah. <laughs> Mom, <laughs> forgive us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I'm no don't longer like concerned. <laughs> all my, oh, this is, I don't like scaring mom. That's always been one of my walls, okay? And all the scaring that we can do, I think we've done. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> yeah. Um but there's also something like when I do say something it's and I start to feel like that's something I would have not been okay with at one point in time but suddenly this is strange it's different i like that and I, i'm not doing it to shock people it's like i'm more excited about exploring what's going on like what really is going on i want to get to the heart of it and a lot of the times when i you know you 
flip on the news or Twitter or social media, Reddit or whatever the deal is, I I hear people's ideas and it just seems like we're just we're getting excited about bumper stickers and cliches. And I feel like, okay, that that's it's great, but explore that. And I'm starting to become okay when I hear that and I don't feel like I've got to get the hell out of here. Um, when I hear somebody say something or feel like I'm starting to get better at talking to people that I based on their words. Yeah. I disagree with. And I also don't feel like there's this game that I feel like is dying where I feel like, well, I can only talk to somebody that is, feels the same way that I do, or or if I do talk to them, uh, I can't upset them. I, I, I don't have any interest in upsetting them, and usually it's it's more like I wanna, I'm more interested in the way they see things. Mm-hmm. And, but as I, and I was always afraid that, well, I'm just going to be appeasing them or not actually saying the way I feel, but now that I, I, I've, I'm finding more moments talking to people and then they're becoming more open myself, they start to explain themselves more. And then there's a lot of preconceptions that I have that start not making sense. I'm like, oh, yeah. Th- this this is not a two-dimensional character. They have other things inside their head. And I, that sounds silly to say. Of course they do. But you give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, it's it's a common thing for someone to 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 I mean not even saying they're not uh, they're not being childish. They say something online, and you go, "That's all I need to know about you." No, it's not. <laughs> it's th- this is why we need more than 140 characters. This is why we need discussions, and I. I there's been silly people saying silly shit that I still enjoy. Like maybe that's, that has to happen. That has to be permitted. And I still don't know that I'm sure there's a lot more to that person than what they just said. But, but locking everything down and saying that like having these real hard definitions of things is it, it makes us, it makes us insane. It, it, I, I, I get. I, I've said this to uh, a couple people. I feel like psychologically we're just constipated right now, and I don't like that. And and ultimately, I think it's the world's not constipated. I am. The world's not noisy. I am. So if there's one step that I can make, is to have more fiber. Have more fiber. <laughs> flush the toilet. Get get the shit out for myself. And then it won't matter if the world's constipated. At least I won't be. And it's scary because it just seems like uh, there's a tendency to look out at the world and see it as a two-dimensional or even one-dimensional thing. It's just all it is is walls. All it is is hard definitions. And that stepping back, people talk about seemingly good stuff great stuff human virtue freedom uh self-expression 
love and all that but it just seems like it's it, it's a cartoon to me unless it bumper is sticker lit. bumper <laughs> sticker and no offense to him but if you're not exploring that it's great like i i've had moments in my life that moment of freedom my brain was going crazy all these things trying to say what the hell is this no and i like i bring that up not to make fun but to he the way he was using it in his book matthew mcconaughey um was using that i don't think it was a bumper sticker for him he would see those things or he would say those things he was discovering those things yes for himself he was exploring those things that's why the man was journaling for 30 plus years and he was paying attention so he was like he's making his own bumper stickers he's not seeing it on another car and saying hey that's cool i'm gonna put that and on he's a still and he's still driving right exactly so he's you know he's actually discovering those and that's uh, that's kind of the thing that like it it keeps coming up very recently it's passive versus active uh exploration of an actual experience instead of just talking about something you know really experiencing it and seeing how that's different you know this i think it kind of connects with the conversation that we had i can't remember if we've we recorded it or not but just the the experience where one day um and it became an episode that we we all did work on was attention and paying attention to attention itself and one day it really clicked where i was like and i i i had it locked in my mind i was like i'm being i'm paying attention right now to what i'm paying attention to and so then the metaphor that comes into mind was like i was like i'm a laser and whatever I focus this thing on, I get more of. Yeah. And as I was really experiencing that, you know, all these like bumper stickers or T-shirts or yeah. be mindful, be aware, be present. And I'm like, and it's hitting me where I'm like, I had a vague concept of it, but now I have a real experience and, and I've, and everyone's kind of drifted in and out of awareness of something like that. But I think the difference was, is that I was experiencing it for longer than I had before. And I had also had built in the habit to lock that experience into a longer duration of importance and, um, memory in my life so i was really like oh this is this is hitting heavy right now because this is a massive tool that we all have and we have all experienced yet just like everything there's a million different tools there's a million different things and how do you prioritize or categorize these things but i had that experience and realized like oh this is this is of utmost importance to my life. And when you actually experience one of those bumper stickers, 
It has a profound effect. It has the ability to completely change everything. It has the ability to unlock your prison, you know, or do any myriad of um, things in your life to have a, a different result than you have had in the past. It, to me, it, it's like discovering that um, if you decide that the only way you're going to be happy is the Lambo in the, you know, the it is Chris. Garage. I'm sorry. I'm tired of having this conversation. It right. is. Once I get the Lambo, I'll, I'll be happy <laughs> with the flux capacitor. I'm sure. um, but <laughs> The real Lambo is like inside, so to speak. The, the escape isn't on the outside. It's on the inside because you can still be in prison. Um, and discovering that it also. One second. Okay. 105. I want, I want you to get back to how the Lamborghini it's going to open its doors inside well, me. And that I, I've had that weird kind of intuitional knowledge that coming back to that place of feeling like I am aware, there is everything that everything is something that I can see, hear, smell, <clears throat> taste, experience. Thoughts are out in front of me. Feelings are out in front of me. And you start to become aware of that, that, that the, what the inside may really mean. And coming to that, it feels like, in that sense, nothing ever really touches you. Andy was talking about that place that they can't get to. Mm -hmm. Things that it, there's no longer, there's nothing made out of stone in that place. Um, and... Uh, in a lot of ways, it's kind of inaccessible until you start to dream up all these rules and definitions and attachments that are something that you can observe out there. But it's like you have to identify with, oh, that out there, and then decide that it has to be like that, it has to stay like that, and me like that has to get more of that over there, and then everything will be good. And it just seems like as long as everything's outside, you're in hell. You're going to be in prison. <laughs> yeah. Like, but coming back to that central place and realizing, oh, this is this is the power, or this is the this is the the freedom. This is the the love, whatever it is. Then it's no longer you're no longer in chains by having to. Okay, I'll speak my mind as long as this is the right place to do it, and that's terrible. Yeah. There's probably a lot of things that have to change on the outside, but it always seems to me as long as we're demanding that things look a certain way in order for me to, to be a certain way, it's like we're in chains. And anyway, it's, uh, and I, I don't feel good when I make those choices and go, okay, well, I'll just go along to get along or I'm being vague in my speech, but um, an idea that comes to mind as we're talking about this is 
the thought that most people, they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be seen as stupid and they don't want to be seen as wishy-washy, you know, going back on what they had said. But to me, that's all crap. And that's a prison because if you are fixed for on on certain ideas for a certain amount of time you're not growing right so if you're not looking back a year two years three years four five years ago and going what the hell was i talking about you're not fucking growing and i'll be proud to say that as soon as we started recording this i look i listen to those and i'm like oh oh boy I, I have a lot of those moments still. But yeah. Like, yeah. No, it, it, it continues to happen there. I mean, you know, sometimes right after I listen to what I'm saying and I'm like, ah, I don't like that person. But that's why it that's why it's so important that you are kind of analyzing your. You're you're throwing stuff out there to see if it sticks, even with you. If yeah. you are open, even if you are open to growth, if you are open to really figuring things out, you have to have a discussion. And sometimes in the middle of the discussion, you're like, do I believe that's true? I don't know. That just popped out there. But it's the same reason why, like, if somebody has too much to drink, they start saying things they're like, what did I say last night? <laughs> because, because it's not all true. Yeah. And it's like, we, we all kind of walk around maybe with our, our analytical linear side of our mind and we're judging other people by everything that they said. Are you going to hold that up in a court of law? And it's like, dude, I'm sorry. I was having a shitty day that day. And if we're all honest, some sometimes like we, I'm a we could both be having a shitty day. Uh, yeah. I'm a completely different person um, on a day that I wake up and I like, I meditate, I get to a good spot, I make some art, I write down intentions, that everything goes good with the kids in the morning. I'm a completely, I'm, you know, cloud nine guy. Anything's possible, anything's doable. And because I'm operating out of that and I have momentum in that day, I start to see that actually becomes true. And you're like radiating that. But on a day where you wake up and you go to like hit the alarm, but then, you know, something, a toy is there and maybe it was sharp and then you cut your hand and you're like, fuck. And that's the first thing. That little thing can spiral you into a place where you're having a discussion with a, a complete stranger and you're like, fucking cut me off in traffic. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so. I would um, never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, there's there's all these variables that start clicking in and it's like is one version of you more true than the other? No, and it's constantly changing. Um I I find a lot of people that like well, it's also at at any point in our life looking at a situation. I mean, it, I I start to get a lot of benefit from looking at other people and what they say and what they do, even if I'm not doing it. But, <laughs> but if I don't bounce it off myself and what I've thought, a thought at, <laughs> at certain times or even now, it's like there, it's like, you've got this character inside yourself. That's going, wait a minute. 
I understand this and everything perfectly, or even just what I'm putting my attention on. I understand this, and you don't. Yeah, you're, you're missing something, and so I. But that's also let me be a little bit more accepting of other people when they say something that I find silly, or you know, it's often I'm, I'm like, yeah, I've heard that before. Whatever. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, but it's like great there's something to that it's not it's not the whole situation you don't you're not the you're not the key to every problem right now <clears throat> um but knowing what kind of mistakes or what kind of thoughts you know grandiose thoughts have run through my own head allows me to be better about other people cuz i they've got to be making the same mistakes whether they whether they know it or not um a, a certain a certain uh story comes to mind an actual thing that happened when we were at the conference um a discussion was taking place i'll, I'll keep all names and parties out <laughs> <laughs> but a discussion was taking place and the person i was at the table with like raises his eyebrows <laughs> and looks to me and i'm like what and he's like it's like, here's the conversation that just took place next to us. She had mentioned she was talking about her journey out of high school and the decisions that she was making. This guy who is a rather intelligent guy, but maybe socially completely oblivious. <laughs> He's listening to this and cuts her off at one point. He goes, it seems very, very indecisive of you to be making those decisions. Like in context of the things that she just said and believes in and feels confident with these decisions that she's made in life. This guy just judges her outright. Here's your sentence. <laughs> like this is what you are. You're because you haven't decided on anything, you are nothing to me, pretty much. Like, that's what the sentiment that was coming out of this man's mouth, and it was just so direct and mean that the guy that was like, you eyebrows, like, holy shit! Like, people, people talk like that, you know, and they're brutal like that, but at the same time, it's like, uh as judgmental and hurtful as that is that potentially depending on how she decides to take that information she can brush it off and say well you don't know my life and she could defend her ability to not have to be so specific at a certain point in her life or she can take it to heart and then she's going to go to work like rocky and say i'm going to prove that mf her wrong and but it it just it brings up that point that it's like we kind of sometimes fear one end or the other like are you the guy who's being too brutal or are you being too soft or the the girl who's being too brutal or too soft and it, it's like ultimately it's up to each individual person that is getting that kind of feedback and giving that kind of feedback to really use it to their advantage one way or the other yeah you know because there have been times where i've been too soft and i'm like um 
this isn't it's it's ineffective and you know maybe in this given circumstance um it's not going it it hasn't yielded the result that i keep hearing needs to be you know yielded and and i'm just in the back of my mind while i'm like but i have something that comes to mind that would yield that result but are you really strong enough to hear that or to take that i don't know because i don't know if i would be yeah so um to to fear that kind of back and forth i don't think it does much good i i definitely don't want to be the person being that direct but then also it's um i do get inspired by people that seem like they like they don't I wrote about this the other... God, what did I say? I... It's like I don't... I don't want to... I want to not give a fuck, but not in any kind of resentful way. I don't want to give a fuck, but... Like you want to be in, I think it kind of is more synonymous with being in that, being in my own, being that place that Andy's talking about. I've seen sometimes more art, you know, like an artistic representation of a person that kind of is resourceful. I don't know. I forget if we've talked about this before, but like certain characters in movies just kind of being like, I want to be the type of person that could hear a person being that direct and saying, I've got the whole damn thing and, and laugh my ass off and hopefully like, and be a little bit more, maybe wanting the conversation to, to be a little bit more animated, not just two people going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, but not everybody is capable. People are afraid of being direct or having something you know, there's. I'm sure there's plenty of people that would would hear that and go, "Oh God, you're right. I'm wrong. I should do exactly what you just said. I should do," which is not the case. Um, it, it's it's a terrifying thing to look at your situation in regards to the outside world and say it's it's all up to you. <laughs> Uh, more and more I'm feeling um, not even a resentment, but just an, a willingness to, you know, put this side up and that side up and just explore both, explore all the options and find. Um, I've even been watching everything that I've been watching that is not even related to this discussion. Uh, this podcast is showing me um elements of of kind of seeing things like kind of having this dilemma at least placed at your doorstep like hey you have to choose one and then ultimately finding your own way maybe that's what the story for andy was it's you have the outside world and you've got forces that are saying you've got to do this and forces saying you've got to do that but eventually you carve out your own path and 
that's not something that you can say, okay, I've made it to Florida. You know, this is what I plan to do. It's That's going to happen. And yet, by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh boy. Not only did not everything go according to a certain plan, but I was a different person at every single point in that process. Um, whatever, you know, kind of going back to your moment of, you know, looking at the way attention works, you realize that anything you could possibly say that you are is is some kind of thing that you're paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And so maybe whatever you think you are is besides the point. It's just some kind of drawing in the moment of saying, yes, this is what I am. But that that is vulnerable. It's going to change. And it's if you're holding on to being a certain way with a certain person, then you're not free to tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> you're not... You're not free to say, Jesus, that was direct. Wow, you do that with everybody, <laughs> you know? But I I like, it. there's like this. Um... Can I ask a, a real quick question? Because like, as we're talking about this, the question comes to mind, do you want to be free in every moment? And be honest, because... uh, of course, uh, of course. But <laughs> no, okay, okay, that, okay. That becomes a do cage. You, yeah, exactly. Do you believe that it is healthy? Because do you do you believe that it would be beneficial to your current goals to be free in every free to say whatever you want, free to do. <laughs> Or do it's, you believe that your life would fall apart <laughs> rapidly? But who's to say that's not for the better? Exactly. Um, or maybe uh, you. Be a really I'm great saying thing. from I'm saying from your perspective. You say, "Who's to say?" I'm saying, "What would you say?" I'm asking what you would say. That do you believe that if you just started being as free? as you wanted to be in every moment, what would that manifest as? And do you, from your perspective, in your opinion, do you think that that would be beneficial? <laughs> well, this brings up another thought, that, uh, another fear, another wall. Don't another, dodge my question. <laughs> another, No, 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 this is not. This is another, we say we want freedom. Yeah. <laughs> a lack of fear. But exactly. I've also felt like, well, I can't make a step. I can't make a step in that direction because, you know, everybody has to agree with me first because or you know, it's not going to they're not going to understand, you know, whatever. Um, it's like I want other people to. You could attach to the bumper sticker and demand for other people to 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 act in accordance with that bumper sticker according to you really not even the bumper sticker but your your definition of it um all in an effort to avoid having to make a step on your you know in your own way it's it's this is really your own path 
I, in a lot of ways, I think that what the human experience is, whatever this is, you are ultimately alone. And that's, that's a terrible way of putting it. It's, it doesn't sound good. Um, but it's like already even just having these discussions i think it's almost like i have this this thing that wants to get everything out i want to have more moments like this where i feel like it's it it it's playful it's playful yeah playful is a better word for it it's um i was thinking about this the other day um not only in in the sense of of dealing with people um uh, writing about this episode and thinking about my past two ideas come to mind um one is with you i don't know if we've said this on the uh these episodes yet or not but i always loved it just like what grandpa ellering said to me has stuck with me another thing that stuck with me is at one point in time you had said uh that you can't stand a certain kind of person and there was a word for it that might be construed as a very specific kind of person but then you said uh let me know if you're okay with saying uh, it but <laughs> no no we yeah i remember we talked about this you're like, it, uh, a flamer a flamer yeah and, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't specific to um to homosexuals as it is often you know used in a derogatory i was meaning that it's just like somebody who's artificially juiced up all the time and gonna let you know how they feel (laughs) and not being authentic like i i have moments where i get really excited or intense but when there's a difference when someone who's just like forcing 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 all the time and they never have a down moment they never have like a neutral moment it's all oh they do have down moments (laughs) oh i'm sure they do they just but it's like it's just way too much um and it's and it's strange because it's like i i can put that mirror right in front of my my own self sometimes because i do get super excited about things and i understand that um and i've been that person in certain environments and i'm sure they're like well how could this guy (laughs) ever claim that he hates that and it's like well because when i'm operating in that you're kind of blind um and I don't like being blind. And so it's like, I will be the first to admit that when I like come down from that, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't, yeah. you know, it's just like, I don't you start, <laughs> you're riding a wave and you're like, did I just pummel somebody because I was just too excited? Yeah. And I, and I've done that so many, so many times and I do hate when I'm like that. <laughs> so that, that moment comes to mind. And it brings up uh, 
Nate told a great story about working for the grocery store years ago, and we we've all encountered this this specific person um, when you ask them, and you'll see this even this this kind of pattern, this kind of way of behavior in different beliefs as well. But it was just it wasn't what he said; it was how he said it. When you asked a person, you know, uh, in this case, it was like an older guy. Uh, can I help you out to your car? <laughs> and he turns to you and says, son, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> the next five seconds. Sorry, second, I asked. <laughs> the, the next five seconds are going to be grueling. And he's going to I'm going to give you a lesson. <laughs> and already I know you're, you're, you're taking, you're, I've got to give you a wide berth because you're going to pull your dick out and swing it, you know. And it's like, I get it. Um, and... <laughs> What I love, I, I don't know if Nate said this or was thinking this. Uh, I think I think he said it, but and it, it inspired me and it made me feel kind of bad because I didn't have that opportunity. Now that I'm like, oh shit, like I I I, I envied Nate because I guess when this guy said he did two tours and Nam or whatever, and I did this and blah 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 blah, and um, Nate says. So that's a no. <laughs> and it was not stewing inside yourself and going, oh, God, how do I smile at this guy? Um, which is probably what I did. Uh, or taking issue with him uh, regarding something and saying it's stupid or, or saying something else. I don't know. But he's playful. Playful. Yeah. And he can... He can not, it's probably more important that you can take hearing that. And it's not just those things. It's also being that woman and being able to take this very outrageous dick telling you that they've got it. They've understand it. They understood your situation. Uh, and they're just going to do the same thing to you. But just basically, let me tell you how it is. And it's that attitude. I think that. I guess in my life, one of the things that have, have, have come up, it's like I've, I've been around people that had that I've either learned something from them or learned a lot from them um, or because of them. And at the same time, I don't want that person to be, you know, I don't want to be shackled to them as my mentor. I, I really, I think in order to really learn, you've got to take the next step and move and move beyond it. So you're not my, my teacher in all ways. You're, you're, it's, I, you might still be my teacher, but my entire life is filled with teachable moments. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, nope, you're my mentor. End of story. I'm not listening to anybody else or even myself. It's, that's not freedom. And Sometimes people give me an indication of another way, and those people, you know, they're they're a little wild. Sometimes they're uh, they they're creative. They're sometimes they're boisterous. Sometimes it's sometimes they're quiet, and yet they're you realize oh they're marching to their own beat. They really did think about this, and it's the person that was loud and obnoxious. They they seem very confident. <laughs> But then they threw out a bumper sticker, and you kind of wonder if they really understand it at all. Yeah. 
and it's uh but anyway long story short um it's uh i want to have more moments of having kind of a return to that playfulness and feeling like not that there's ultimate freedom but that there's uh maybe even just finding a moment of oh wow i was I had a level of kind of wanting to put my invisible shield back on. Um, and that's something I need to look at and get better about. I'm going to have to, uh, to duck out here. Okay. But um, thank you. I think the note on, on being playful, really like playful. I, yeah. But like, see, that's, that's a bumper sticker. It is no, but it is, but it's one that I have experience with. And your example, your story of Nate being playful, is a, it's a great example, and it's something I can attach to because I have experience with. And it's in those moments where being playful is such a, it's such a light intention. It's not. It's not saying, I want to be funny. It's not a demand, you know, it's like, no, it's just, you're in this light, slightly above neutral state where you're not taking things too seriously, but you're also, you're not being a jokester, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, not... You might be a jokester, but like, that's one, that's, that's a, a creative little thing that might come out of that, but that wasn't your aim. It's like, right. It, it's right when it's right but holding to something a little bit more um, undefinable, like playful, as opposed to, I need to be this way in right. all things. It's, right. It's, it's less of a command than it is just like, I'd like to be, like we we just said this, but it's like, I, I'd like to be more playful in my life because I see that in my kids all the time. And as you become a parent and you realize like, there's a lot of things that we lose getting here to where we're at right now, where we're, you know, I'm almost 40. You are in your forties. And, uh, I, I think playfulness is one of those easy things to lose. And, <clears throat> you know, really like kind of mapping that over Shawshank Redemption, you know, Andy saying like he was being playful when he said he was like you know the funny thing is that I had to come to prison in order to learn how to be a crook and then Red goes what you know yeah, <laughs> like, oh just it 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 surprised him it was a yeah. pleasant surprise because that was not an Andy thing to say so you're you're getting almost like a you know um like a flower blossoming Andy is truly starting to open up and he's there's sides of him that are surprising even his best friend in this place maybe his best friend in his entire life because they've spent so much time together but he never had that you know um but yeah I want I think I mean really the gold for me out of this episode that hits it on the head that yeah I'm going to, I want to be more playful in life. 
because that like rubbing that rubs off on people and it, it you know there is so much that's so serious and we have to do this and you have to be this and you have to be this way playful says not really <laughs> you can think of it from multiple angles Thank you.